Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and it's good to be back behind the mic. It's been a few weeks, and I'm ready to talk some Chicago Bears football. And I know we have a very fun episode in store for you. I'm joined by both my co-hosts today. That's right, Nicholas Moriano and Mason West. Uh, They are here, and I'm sure equally as excited as I am. Uh, Guys, I just want to know, did you enjoy, first of all, your week off and the Super Bowl uh, on Sunday? Nick? Yeah, it was an entertaining Super Bowl. Had some family over, so that was always always a good time to kind of, you know, have that experience. And then, yeah, it was nice to just have a week off, kind of not do anything. I bought the new Madden, uh, like you saw, Will, um, on Twitter. I actually played. They have you play the first simulation of Chiefs Bucks. I ended up winning, so I'm not as terrible as I thought I would be. But yeah, it was a, it was a nice week off. Excellent. I'm excited to you know lay the smackdown on you and Madden soon uh, on our PlayStations uh, here coming up in hopefully a, a couple of days. Mason, uh, I know you're texting us about the Super Bowl. Did it live up to your expectations? Uh, I thought overall it did. It was it straddled that line. I thought where it was competitive, you know, stayed close, and you still got to see some defense played. It wasn't like it was some onslaught of offense where you were just like score, 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 and the end got interesting. Obviously, you had injuries to the quarterbacks, which really was intriguing. I thought it was one of the best halftime shows ever, but that's also because I'm not like a U2, Coldplay, etc. fan that we've seen in the past. So it just hit me right in my you know 90s kid parts. And so that was pretty awesome, too. Uh, sadly, I missed the final leg of my six-leg parlay that would have won me like 500 bucks because the pass by Joe Mixon does not count as an anytime score, which makes sense, but at the same time, doesn't make sense. So I was Ooh. sad. Uh, I understand. You want to hear mine, my heartbreaking parlay? What was that? I had a nine-legger, all right, and I would have won 4500 bucks, and I missed it because Jamar Chase didn't have his sixth catch. He only had five, and he had a couple drops, and he was open in that final fourth and one, but Burrow didn't have time. And Joe Mixon didn't go over nine receiving yards. He had five catches from one damn yard, and I missed $4,500 because of that one catch in eight yards. That's a pretty rough. Uh-huh. I felt good because I had Odell going over 49, and then he got hurt at 52. So, like, you know, if he's out now and he made it, I'm in good shape. And even on that final drive, like, there's a chance. And then they took Mixon out for, like, Pirine. I was like, really? Come on. So, unfortunately, we both uh, missed our parlays, but regardless, 
I'm excited to kind of get back to our topic at hand here and talk some Chicago Bears football. We have some big news uh, that I want to share in just a minute. But first, I want to give you a rundown of what to expect in today's episode. Uh, We'll start the show by sharing our final thoughts on the Bears staff now that it's complete. Uh, Then we'll move on to discuss some lessons that each of us learned from this year's Super Bowl teams that the Bears uh, need to take account of. And hopefully maybe Mason and I learned, you know, how to properly set up a parlay. Uh, in the future. Uh, We have been approved. This is some other, I say minor good news because it has happened before, but we've been approved to cover the NFL Combine down in Indianapolis uh, in a couple of weeks. Exactly. Great news. And to celebrate, uh, we're going to each bring to the table some of our favorite prospects that we're looking forward to seeing and interviewing there. Uh, Then we'll move on to share our biggest questions that we have for the Bears heading into this next phase of the offseason, and we'll wrap up the show with some fan questions. Uh, We have a good amount from social media, and if you're watching live, I will also open up the floor for you once we get to that point of the show. So that's what we're going to talk about here today. Um, But first, uh, some very important information I want to share with you, our our audience. Uh, We shared this on social media about two weeks ago now. Uh, but we have been uh, acquired, and this is a super exciting you know, opportunity for all three of us here uh, on the show. I know Nick and myself, uh, I was able to quit my day job, Nick too, and we're going to be hired full-time uh, to cover the Chicago Bears. Uh, there's a new sports network launching in the city uh, that we have partnered with, and Nick, I just want to go over to you. How have you been feeling about this over the past month? I know we've been having to keep it under wraps. We can't give away all the details just now, but you know, each and every day I just get more excited about what what this means for us and our audience because you know we do a show a week right now in the off season but come march we're moving up to five episodes per week you know we'll have more people on the panel but you know everyone's going to expect you know a lot more of you and me and mason as well how have you been feeling i'm just you know i'm so elated i'm just ready to get going exactly that's how i'm feeling well like i'm counting down the days looking towards when we officially start and announce this new know journey that we're going to partake in so i'm really just looking forward to starting that but really having the opportunity to provide so much more bears coverage like we do this we used to be doing this alongside our our jobs our day-to-day jobs and you know when we had to balance school at the time well so it's never we couldn't put this always first right just because of our lives and now now we can with our day with this being our job so Really looking forward to really just being able to see what that looks like in terms of coverage and, you know, just really getting started. Yeah, 100%. And I know it's going to start at the tail end of the combine, so we will be going through a transition that week. Uh, Again, branding is going to look a little different, but you still get Nick, you still get myself. Mason's able to kind of hop on to when that uh, will happen. Uh, We're still working out all those details. But, again, new people will be coming, uh, people that you should already know of, Super excited to kind of give those details as soon as we can. But again, uh, we've been acquired and Nick and I, our full-time jobs are now getting to talk to you and providing you more content, both here on our channel, our podcast feed and getting back into writing, at least for me. Uh, And like you said, Nick, we've never been able to put this first and we do such a damn good job with when it's being like our second and third priorities in life over the past seven years now. And I just can't wait to see what we can build together putting this, you know, at, uh, at the very forefront of our minds each and every single day and continuing to, you know, build our chemistry and take it to that next level. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. And look, Will, there's been times where we have put this first. It's like, oh, there's a, there's a, <laughs> there's an assignment we have to do for class or there's work. It's like, oh, but let me do this instead. So it, it will just be nice that we can, we could do this without feeling maybe bad, <laughs> like at times for, for, for doing something else. So yeah, like, like you and, uh, I'm sure people who are hearing this for the first time, 
really excited to see all this kind of come to play. And we'll know, like like Will was saying, that first week of the combine is when things can start to get announced. Yes, yeah, so we'll get there as soon as we can. But just want to let you know that you know we're excited, and you should be too. Mason, did you want to say anything about this? No, I mean, it's just really cool. Uh, as much as I wish I could do something like this, my heart is in, obviously, physical therapy and, yep. and helping out the human body. Uh, also, my mama might be a little upset if all of a sudden all that schooling wasn't being used. Uh, so I've got to stick to that. But like uh, like Will said, like Nick said, I'm going to be helping out as much as possible. Uh, you know, playing nice with others will be always a good chance. And, you know, more minds is always cool. You know, it op- opens up more opportunities for things. So uh, it's just an, it's an exciting venture and uh, just gives more options in the future. Right? As great as the podcast has been, it just gives more flexibility and, and room for further growth. 100 percent all right so let's go ahead and begin our show and nick i hope your video works out because sometimes you freeze and i'm like kind of taken back by it but so if you're watching that i think nick's voice comes through so even though we're getting some weird video technical difficulties today we should be uh good to go so with that uh, since our last episode, there's been one, I guess, major update on the Bears front. And I know, Mason, it's the signing of the long snapper and, and the punter uh, yesterday. Uh, but no, I really don't want to talk about that right now. But that's the fact that, you know, new head coach, you know, Matt Eberflus has completed. That's right. His coaching staff is now full. Uh, you guys did an excellent job breaking down the staff that we knew about uh, back in our previous episode a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but since then, the staff is, again, it's now completed. Uh, and I would love to now just kind of revisit the topic and kind of just share our thoughts on the staff uh, good bad or otherwise and I just want to open the floor and Nick I'll go over to you uh, I don't care which direction you take it you can give me a coach that you're you know on the fence about uh, that you wish they would have went in a different direction or if you want to kind of you know talk up uh, a coach that you're just kind of really excited to who's on board I'm all ears as well but to kind of start it off where are you at I won't even start with a coach, Will. I'll start with the assistant general manager, Ian Cunningham, being aboard now for the Bears and being just a new position for this organization that they haven't seen. And with Ryan Poles being a first-year GM, bringing in somebody with, what, 14 years of NFL experience from the Eagles and Ravens, I think it's such a good move by Ryan Poles because when he's going to be navigating all this for the first time, why not bring in somebody that you can just extrapolate that experience and that guidance from when you're maybe doing something for the first time that I think is going to be huge for the bears in terms of how they want to make this organization a competitive one. So I went with not even the uh, particular coach, but just an organizational hire that I think is going to play, you know, just monumental, just going to bring monumental benefits to what this bears team, this organization wants to be in the future. See, we talked about in the green room and like throughout the week, we're talking about coaching staff and I knew you'd take a left turn, but no, that's a great point as well, because, you know, like you said, if polls can have someone who has that savviness, that experience to kind of lean on, you know, in times of need and just get some advice and some feedback, because, you know, as much as you can get advice, if polls makes a mistake or is about to make a mistake, you know, Cunningham's going to be like, hold on, pump the brakes. And this is why. And I think that ability to maybe get checked, uh, as well is another benefit. Not saying that I expect polls to have to do that a lot, but just having that sounding board and someone to hold you accountable should only make him better uh, at his job of general manager. Mason, to go over to you. Do you want to share a coach you love or you hate? Man, I'm gonna. It's hard to say because all a lot of these guys 
they're not they're not super experienced in some of these roles. At least some of the people at the top of of this coaching staff, like Luke Etsy, right? A lot of potential there. That could be a home run hire, all the way to the point where maybe he gets a a, a head coaching job if you know he can take Justin Fields and, and lead him to the promised land, which is fantastic. That's a good problem for the Bears to have. At the same time. He's never really called plays consistently, right? Like like a lot of staffs, he's called some preseason games and things like that. Uh, if you go back to some of his college days, there might be some there as well. And the concepts he has are pretty diverse when you look at the coaching trees he's pulled from and all those things. But that is a first-time offensive play caller that you have there on a consistent basis. Now, Allen Williams, you know, he was a defensive coordinator before, so you do have that experience there. Obviously, a lot of Colts experience. The Bears were able to pull a lot of former Colts staff in, so that defensive transition should be relatively consistent, which is fantastic to hear. Um, but you know, at the end, at the end of the day, it's going to be Eberflus's defense, right? He is not play calling; he's focusing on being a head coach. But Allen Williams should be able to basically do what Eberflus wants and be his voice and have that consistency. See, and we talk about real quick though, no, both and both of those guys. <laughs> Even though, you know, the lack of experience is something that, you know, you have to keep in the forefront of your mind. Uh, mm-hmm. I love how flexible they're already kind of approaching their positions, yeah. right? Getsy's already saying, I'm going to build this offense, you know, around Justin Fields. You know, hearing that was music to, to my ears. It's such a night and day difference compared to like the previous leadership. And it just feels great to have someone in charge who understands that it's on him to build a scheme, a system that complements the talent on the roster and not the other way around. And same thing with, you know, uh, new defensive coordinator, Alan Williams. Uh, he talks about, you know, his job is to look at the players currently on the roster. What are they good at? And figure out how he's able to kind of make that team and that unit the best it can be just given the players that he has to do. And obviously it's going to be Ibraflus' system, but how he leverages the talent is going to be on Williams and how he coaches them up. And like I said, he mentioned that, hey, I'm going to make sure I get the most out of these players. I have a good idea of how they fit, but I still want to see them in person, get to know them, and, and kind of go from there. And on top of that, I love how Williams kept expressing that this defense is going to be nasty. It's going to be physical. And that's the monster of the midway mentality. That's the Chicago Bears way. Uh, and so all of that are two reasons why I, I love these hires, and I'm so excited they're on board. And I'm sure the lack of you know experience may have some growing pains along the way, but I think their ability to be flexible should be able to help them kind of grow out of those uh, sooner rather than later. Yeah, I agree there. Well, uh, the one that, and I wrote an article about it with Luke Getze, like I'm optimistic on the upside of the hire. It's just there are some question marks just with him going from a 14, you know, 14-year quarterback in Aaron Rodgers to Justin Fields entering year two. How does he make that adjustment? Play calling. He, he's done it in the preseason for the Packers. He had the offensive coordinator title at Mississippi State. Didn't call the plays. Joe Moorhead did. So being a full-time play caller, how's he going to adjust when somebody takes away something schematically from the offense? And how does he adjust to that? So that's going to be interesting to see. And you don't have a Devontae Adams here in Chicago. So how do you adjust your offense Not when you don't have a player of that caliber? So a lot of big questions, but you know we, we won't get answers to any of those until we start seeing games being played. So Luke Gessie, I think there's a lot of, like, like Mason said, if he plays his cards right, gets the most out of Justin Fields, he may not even be here in 20 for the 2023 season. And that would be a plus, honestly, because that means Justin Fields is doing everything possibly right to to get his, his coordinator a job. But we just need to see how that all kind of plays out 
and we'll get those answers once the season kind of comes to play here. And soon, right? You know, free agency and the draft will kind of allow us to see what pieces he has to play with and actually give us a better uh, idea as well of what type of season may be uh, in store. Uh, when I looked at the entire coaching staff, I think one that I'm skeptical on, though, is our new special teams coordinator, Richard Hightower. Uh, I know that he's been in San Francisco for you know quite some time. And when I was looking over on their website, they were just kind of bragging about you know, how well their field goal kicking was uh, throughout his tenure. And I'm like, the dude had Robbie Gold. Like, he can't mess that up. That's a gimme. Uh, but when I looked into PFF and for the grades for his special teams units uh, in San Francisco, they haven't done well. Uh, his best was in 2017, his very first year, which was fourth. And then every year, it just was kind of below average. 2018, they're the 26th graded unit. 2019, 19th. 2020, 21st. And even last season, 21st overall as well. And that takes into account, you know, everything, not just field goals, uh, punt, punt coverage, kick return coverage, and things of that nature. And I don't know. Uh, it doesn't rub me the wrong way, but it doesn't really excite me. And I feel like there may have been better options out there, but I think we felt the same about Chris Tabor and it took a couple of years, but he uh, was able to really kind of make something here in Chicago uh, with that third phase. What are you guys' thoughts about Hightower? For me, I think Hightower, like just being in that, that introductory press conference of his, he was just so excited to, to be back with the Bears. Like every, like one of his first answers, it almost seemed like he got a little choked up. And you know what? I think, and this is going to play into part, like what we'll figure out in a couple of weeks here, Will, like if you can bring back a Jakeem Grant, how does that kind of affect like those those kind of stats, those where they kind of ended up in the season as return men and stuff like that, and, and the return yardage and things of that nature. So you, you do need to have the right guys on the special team unit, and you usually collect the back end of a roster to make up that unit. And Hightower is not going to know who exactly it's going to be until a little later on in the process. So. It is a difficult task for for special for every special teams coordinator that gets a new job, getting familiar with all the players. But yeah, I think again, I'm going to take more of a. I'm going to honestly, with all these coordinators, it's going to be a wait and see approach. Like even with Allen Williams, like he had his first what defensive coordinator job ten plus years ago. So it's been a while since he's called plays as well. So a lot of these guys, for me, wait and see, and then then I can make a judgment once games are actually played. How about you, Mason? Any thoughts? Special teams is tough just because it's one of those ones where it really depends on the quality of the back end of your roster. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I've been paying close attention to the 49ers, 52nd, 53rd men on their roster to know like how good they are and as gunners or how great their long snapper is in terms of getting down the field and making a tackle. Uh, so that's really going to fall more so on maybe like Ryan Poles and Cunningham to fill out the back end of that roster. And when you watch things like Hard Knocks and a lot of these uh, shows that go behind the scenes of the team, the speech by the special teams coach is like always the same. It's like, all right, this is where a lot of you guys are going to make the roster. If you know, if you can't do it on special teams, you're going to be on the street. It's just a lot of like rah rah motivational stuff. It's, special teams is one of those areas where, unless something amazing is happening or terrible, you're like, oh, cool. I'm going to get my beer. I'm going to go to the bathroom during this time period. So, it, I'm not as worried about that. I think it's going to be more of a of a talent issue than necessarily what Hightower is going to specifically be doing. But I'm sure I'll be eating my words when, you know, there's like a kick return for a touchdown the second game of the season, and I'm just upset about it. You're out there getting, you know, your beer or going to the bathroom, something like exactly. that. Exactly. You know, usually, uh, you know, when you're at Soldier Field and you think you can do that, by the time you get back to your seat, the Bears offense goes straight and out, and we're punting again, and you, you won't miss a thing. 
Yeah, exactly. It's just this endless cycle normally of just not getting to actually see a Bears offense that works. Nick, any other coaches uh, that you wanted to highlight? I have one more that I'm kind of sourish on at this stage, and I have a couple that I like, but I just want to see if there's anyone else that you want to talk about. The only other guy that I'll mention real quickly here, I think he's gotten a bad rep of where he's where he was at previously. Tyke Tolbert, new wide receivers coach. Oh, I Has love Tyke. Plenty. Love Tyke. Plenty of, yeah, plenty. Of, and, okay, and I'm pretty sure, if I'm not mistaken, he works out at Bears. I didn't want to go up to the guy. He was wearing a mask. I'm like, oh, is that Tyke? I don't know. I'm not going to test this out today. I'll try it another time. But, yeah, I think he's going to be a great addition for whoever the wide receivers are for the Bears uh, this upcoming season. He has so much experience, and Mason and I were talking about it. Like, that's a guy who has moved horizontally on the ladder. He's gone wide receiver coach, wide receiver coach to wide receiver coach. With that much experience, I, I'm willing to bet he can definitely take that next jump into even elevating that role, just be given how many different, you know, players he's worked with. He was with the 2014 Broncos when it was, what was it? Um, Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders went off as the league leading duo in terms of yardage and even touchdowns. So he's been with some good groups. And yes, he was with the Giants that <laughs> they're the Giants, right? They haven't done uh, very many good things as of late, but that shouldn't be why people like, I remember when the signing happened, they were like, oh, he was with the Giants. So, like, what is he going to add to the Bears in their wide receiver room? Don't look at just the last stop and, you know, what kind of happened there. Got to look at the collective whole resume uh, of Tolbert, and then we can kind of, you know, make an, a, an accurate assessment. But that's a guy that I think is going to do good things for this wide receiver room. And Cliff makes a good point in the chat. Like, he did get a slight promotion because uh, here in Chicago because he does get the title of passing game coordinator uh, as sure. well. And you mentioned, you know, he was in there uh, with Denver. Uh, I think the other player you, f- you failed to mention was Eric Decker. Uh, they was able to get allowed out of, too, another really good receiver for the Broncos uh, during that tenure. And then in New York, like, I know – they haven't been good, but like he's gotten some good things out of Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton, developing them. And then even last season, it's not like a household name, but I know Kadarius Tony was a rookie out of Florida, and he finished his rookie year with 39 catches and 420 yards. And I feel like rookie wide receivers have a hard enough time already making you know a footprint in this league, and for him to do that of a second rounder uh, and Tony like he did. Uh, he may have been a second rounder. Maybe it was a late first as well. I forget. You guys can fix that out later. I think a second though. Um, but anyway, what do you think, Nick? First, I, I'm, I'm. I think I'm thinking first for Kadarius Tony. It's early. How about yeah. this? I have an early round draft pick. I don't need to be Ooh, super technical there here. Wait, Tony. He was picked with the the pick that the Bears traded because uh, they switched with the Giants. See, I wasn't watching the draft because we were talking about the trade and talking about Justin Fields. That is true. Oh, okay, oh, yeah, yeah, I wasn't on that. <laughs> That's true as well. All right, so anyway, the fact is he can get good stuff out of a rookie receiver. Even first-round rookie receivers tend to struggle, and he was able to get the most out of Tony uh, right there. So I do get excited uh, about him. And even when you look around the league and what people are saying about Tyke, it's a lot of good things about what he's bringing to the table. So I'm glad you mentioned him. Mason, how about you? Another coach on your mind? All right, I want to make sure I talk about this because I would feel remiss if I didn't. On, I'm going to go kind of a nick with, with this one, so Will, don't be too upset with me. Uh, on Tuesday, the Bears did announce that they hired Brent Salazar, who's going to be Clyde Emmerich's director of high performance. And as the injury specialist, if I didn't talk about this, uh, I might lose my job. And really what he's going to do is he's going to oversee the team's strength conditioning, sports science departments, work with the athletic training staff, and really try to maximize player health and safety, which has been not great 
especially when you look at the super great grass that they have at uh, Soldier Field. Um, but he's got a lot of experience, which is cool. Ten years of strength and conditioning experience with teams like the Broncos, Chiefs, and Vikings. Most recently, he was a performance strategist with the United States Tennis Association for last uh, from 2017 to 2020. Um, and one thing that he's really into is tracking and wearable devices. So actually, I have one on right now, this Whoop Band. The Aura Ring is similar, where basically you're looking at your recovery, your strain, and trying to balance that out. And there's actually a lot of research backing that up now, and I don't think that's something from what I've heard, what I've understood from the Bears rehab and training that's been brought in. And it seems like there's going to be a relative overhaul going on. If you look at the Bears website, some of the names that have been there, their strength and conditioning, their head guy, you know, Picasso isn't listed anymore. And it'll be interesting to see over the next couple weeks, months, how that's going to shift. Because as we know that the Bears health has not been the best over the last forever. <laughs> yep. No, I'm glad you mentioned this because that was up next in my notes. If you didn't do it organically, I was going to make sure to come back to you for this as well. So glad that I, I know you well enough uh, to at least be ready, but I'm glad you hit it. Uh, for me, I guess I'll just end on the one that I'm slightly soured on. That would be David Walker as running backs coach. Uh, I know he hasn't coached since 2018, uh, and he didn't have a lot of success in his last two stops coaching running backs, uh, both in Detroit and in Indianapolis with the Colts. Uh, when you look at like the positional rankings per year in terms of like rushing yards per game uh, at each place, the highest he ranked was 19th, and that was in 2012 in Indianapolis. Other than that, you're looking at uh, 27th in 2011, 21st, 22nd, uh, and then with the Lions in 2016, 30th, 2017, death last, and 2018, 23rd. And I know you can look at you know the talent that they had as well at both of those stops and kind of put that into perspective but you know the devil's advocate in me wonders like was it the names or was it the coaching or just a whole bunch of things that just didn't allow it to be a success uh obviously coach loose has some uh promise here and hoping that they can turn it around and he can be a good running backs coach uh, we'll see, um, but that's just the one that when I looked at it on paper and where he's been and what he's been able to accomplish, it didn't really add up uh, for a hire here, at least in my mind, but hopefully you know, he can prove that it was more personnel-based, it was more where he was at that right time in his career, and here in Chicago we can kind of turn around that narrative. All right, anything else, guys, before we move on? What is your perspective, Will? Because I think Nick and I talked about this a little bit on Chris Morgan, the offensive line coach. Because for me, that would be one that I was probably the most sour on just because he didn't really consistently ever have that title. He just got that promotion at the end of the year with the Steelers, and now he's got it with the Bears. Especially since it's such an area of need, as we talked about with how money pressures and things were given up. Howard, how do you feel about that hiring? That was one I was kind of like lukewarm on. Uh, just for the reason that you mentioned there, Mason, you know, the lack of true experience uh, doing this for a long time. But I guess if you're hiring someone who's done it, you know, for a long time, if you look like a David Walker too, maybe the track record isn't so great. There's a reason why he'd be available. So you're banking on the potential here. Uh, so yeah, one that I would say, like Nick said earlier, you know, wait and see kind of approach. I, I guess I would take that with this one. Mm, makes sense. All right, so we talked about the Super Bowl, and we lost. A, we talked about the money that Mason and I could have won but didn't. But there are some other lessons uh, that are had here uh, as well from some Super Bowl teams. I have two major lessons I think the Bears can look at uh, here from the Super Bowl, kind of extrapolate from 
but before I give away mine, I'll go over to Mason, actually. I want you to give me your lesson. Man, I think for me, one of the biggest lessons, and this is something that we, we've known, but it just is enforced it even more so, is you need the quarterback. The quarterback is the most important thing and what's going to get you there. I mean, even outside the Super Bowl, you know, final four teams. Um, and if you look at something that the Bears have hung their hats on when they have had an okay offense has been the running game. When you look at, like, the major running backs that have been in Super Bowls the last couple of years, it's a bunch of guys that you're not paying, right? They're not the Derrick Henrys of the world. Um, look at the, the one of the best running backs currently in the league with Jonathan Taylor. They didn't do anything great because, again, their quarterback is very questionable. And so it just puts even more importance on, you know, Justin. Can Justin make that Joe Burrow-esque year two leap? And can the coaching staff around him set him up for success? Because clearly the last regime did not do that. Yeah, that's a great lesson. Uh, I think it's one that we get reminded of every single year when we get there. There are some obvious examples that maybe not so much. You know, great defenses can carry an average quarterback. But I feel like as the years go on, that becomes, you know, more and more rare. Uh, but you do need that top-tier guy to kind of take you to the promised land. I think my top lesson that I learned, uh, and it's a, one of those that's like, duh, and obvious, but it was apparent, it's that the offensive line is just super important. Uh, you know, Joe Burrow, he made it to the Super Bowl behind that subpar offensive line, but it really was that unit's failure uh, in the second half that I thought sealed their fate. Uh, six times Burrow was sacked in that second half. Uh, you know, that MCL sprain that he suffered due to that, he was getting hit consistently and constantly. I know that Rams front uh, is ferocious and one of the best, uh, sorry, the best in the league uh, last season, but the fact that, you know, you have to find some way to block these guys. And if you don't, you're not going to win football games. Uh, Burrow didn't have any time to you know, work anything downfield in that second half. Uh, even plays that didn't result in sacks. You know, he's throwing it away. He's hitting the turf. And, guys, we saw that a year ago, too, with Kansas City. So if your offensive line can't hold up, in, even in the game's you know, biggest stage, you're not going to succeed and win uh, a Super Bowl. And we know the Bears have a lot of work to do uh, up front. It's going to be a huge priority for Ryan Poles. And I think watching the Super Bowl, I think it just kind of re-solidified that uh, to me that, yes, that needs to be probably priority number one when we're looking at the remainder of this offseason. So that's my number one lesson. Nick, how about you? Do you have a lesson that you want to share with our listeners? I literally had that exact same lesson in my notes here, Will, that what you just said. But, you know, go get the Triple Crown winner, draft Aaron Donald, get Von Miller, go trade up. You know, get, uh, look, the, the Rams had s such a stacked team that it would have been a complete failure had they not won the Super Bowl. But, yeah, that's a, a really key point that even though Joe Burrow – and here, here's what I, I kind of also took away from it. Obviously, the Bengals made the choice to get Jamar Chase, which I think was – and everyone will look at that over Penny Sewell. Like, that's still the right decision, despite what happened in the Super Bowl. But I wonder if the Bears look at this situation, and we know the emphasis that Ryan Poles has already kind of put on retooling this offensive line. But you just saw what the Bengals could do in a year, right? They, they had, obviously, Joe Burrow, the first overall pick, and you still get Jamar Chase, and you went with a wide receiver there. Do the Bears look at this situation like, man, if they're split between on getting this offensive lineman for Justin Fields in, in the Bears offense or this premium pass catcher, and it would have to come in the second round, do they look at the Bengals and how they got to the Super Bowl and say, well, will this be the best for my young quarterback, a pass catcher, or do they you know, go that route, which I think they're going to lean towards addressing the offensive line. But I think that's going to be an interesting question 
when, what is it, the 39th overall pick comes to play and the Bears are on the clock, how they kind of see it. Obviously, the board's going to determine that and free seeing agency. who's there, who's not free agency as well. So, that again, we have some time to kind of think about that. But along with the offensive line being the thing that kept the Bengals from winning the Super Bowl, how will the Bears kind of see their own situation and trying to just retool this offense to best help Justin Fields? I like that one a lot. My second lesson I learned, you know, having a wide receiver one is a necessity. You know, that's a blessing for, you know, every team that can have one of those. You do need it. But you also need other guys who can contribute. You know, too many times over the last couple of seasons, we've seen the Bears run through uh, one guy or not at all. Uh, Allen Robinson in 2020, Darnell Mooney this past season. And when you look at the Super Bowl, you know, both teams' wide receiver ones had their impact felt, uh, both Chase and Cup. However, I thought both teams' players and their depth chart were also involved in the passing game was a big reason for, you know, their success. You know, look at the Bengals, uh, T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. And even after Odell Beckham went out, guys like Bryson Hopkins, who had one catch in a regular season, went out and caught four balls for 47 yards. Like, you need guys in your depth chart, on your roster, who can step up and contribute if your number one option is taken away and give your quarterback other capable playmakers to work with. And I think that's something that the Bears have either failed to bring to Chicago or failed in, under the previous leadership to actually get the most out of. And I, it may be a combination uh, of the two there, but regardless, like to me, like that was very apparent watching that game. Like, all right, you know, like Jamar Chase, he didn't have the biggest game. He was able to make some plays there. But when he was taken out with Jalen Ramsey, Burrow, when he had time in the first half, was able to go somewhere else to a secondary option, and then they were able to make plays. And the Bears have really failed to do that over the past, I'll, I'll pull Mason, forever. <laughs> Any other lessons between either of you guys? I think one I had was essentially WWMD, what would Mason do? And the answer is the Browns and Rams didn't do what Mason would do and did, weren't concerned about Odell. If you go back to our preview episode before that Browns game, I said emphatically, Odell's not ready to play this season. He's going to you know, produce at times, but something bad's going to happen. And lo and behold, on the biggest stage, what happened? He re-tears his ACL. And I literally said that. And the problem is, is that there's a couple of random players like, like an Adrian Peterson who are just freaks of nature in the best way possible, aliens from another planet, that can do that. That can come back in like seven, eight months. Most people cannot do that, even the highest level of athletes. And this is an example of why that is. You can use that for the Bears with Tariq Cohen. You know, a lot of Bears fans are going after him. Why did you not come back this year? Obviously, there might have been like another surgery in there, too. We don't know. That was never fully disclosed. There's a lot of stuff going on there. But long story short, you got to put the health of these players first and sometimes take them from themselves. And Oh, that's not done often enough in this league because now again biggest of stages you lost Odell and you almost lost the game because of that yeah that's a really good point as well and again I love that you always bring that perspective uh, from your viewpoint over there from the physical therapy side all right, so up next, uh, we'll talk about some early pre-combine favorite prospects. Again, we have been approved for credentials. We'll be in Indianapolis throughout the week uh, getting to talk to some of these players, uh, You know, whether it be one-on-ones or at the group setting as well, just gaining more insight from some players that were hopeful uh, that the Bears could be selecting in this year's draft. Again, only five draft picks to work with, and uh, you got to make them count, uh, to say the least. But before we do, Nick, do you want to share a message from our friends over at Owen? 
I do, and I don't have the script, but that's okay because I basically memorized this thing at this point. So you see that cool graphic if you're watching the show? Go check out Owen.com, and you can look at all the great products. They have No Nut Buttercup Protein Shakes. If you're just into chocolate, they got that vanilla. My girlfriend actually tried the cookies and cream one yesterday. Said that's her new favorite, so now I have something else to look forward to. So you can browse their website. And if you want to get 20% off your first purchase, all you got to do is type the code TCA20, and that will save you 20% off your first purchase. But you don't have to stop there. You can keep going to the website, keep trying different flavors. That's what you can do there. In addition to all the great stuff that, you know, Owen has on their website, they also have an awesome promotion going on right now where you can actually win some cool merchandise, whether it's a Justin Fields jersey, a signed football there's there's cleats as well and all you have to do still on that owen website just type in liveowen.com forward slash justin fields forward slash that'll take you to the promotion page and all you have to do is type your first name and your email and you'll be entered in to win you can as long as you have emails and and people's first names you can enter in so uh liveowen.com forward slash justin fields forward slash that'll enter you in to get one of those amazing prizes. Again, you can first place prize winner will get a Justin Fields jersey and cleats. Second prize winner, um, and there's going to be three of those, will win a signed football. And then a third prize, and four people win this, a signed jersey. So go check that out. LiveOwen.com forward slash Justin Fields forward slash. And hey, can you think of any reason why there should be more urgency to use our promo code now more than ever before? Well, other than like the news that we're kind of transitioning here, I mean, that that would be a good incentive to go do this at this, you know, at your soonest convenience so that you can capitalize on those great one, the the promo code, but also the great prizes and the great products uh, that Owen brings to the table. I know they sent all of us, you know, some of their drinks, the the no nut butter cup and. Uh, I do have, a, you know, a sensitive, uh, I guess, digestive system and immune system. Uh, I like to be allergic to a lot of things, apparently, uh, ever since I was a kid. But uh, luckily, this is stuff like protein shakes in general. Like, I can break out in hives. I can have my, my stomach turn inside out, it feels like. But with Owen, like, you know, with them using all those all-natural ingredients, like, I don't feel that, which is tremendous. So I get a protein shake that I can drink, uh, which makes me feel uh, really good uh, about that. But, yeah, our code TCA20 will get you 20% off your first order and my gut feeling is when we do our transition after the uh, you know acquiring kind of goes through and is 100% official, well, it is, but like announced and branded, I don't think that promo code would be live anymore. Uh, at least we can't do anything with it. So I would use it sooner rather than later. All right. You're listening to the Chicago Audible. I'm Miros Holdewitt, joined by Nicholas Moriano and Mason West. You know, we talked about Bears coaching staff. Uh, you guys went a little bit above and beyond, which I love it. The extra credit over there. We discussed some Super Bowl uh, lessons learned. And now we're going to talk about some combine players that we're excited to go watch when we're down in Indianapolis uh, for that week. And this is pretty wide open. Who do you want to watch and why? Who do you want to talk to and why? And Mason, I'll go to you. Who's a favorite player of yours this year? So I was going to save this person for later just because I think it's my favorite favorite person that I'm the most excited to see and hopefully be able to talk to. But I don't want either of you stealing him. So I'm just going to get it out of the way now. Okay. Kelvin Austin the third. So he fits the mold. <laughs> yes. He fits the mold of someone I talk about every single year, just someone that's explosive and someone that just brings this like this wow factor. So he's a redshirt senior. 
only 5'7", 173 pounds, but he was one of the most productive members of that American Athletic Conference over the last two seasons, right? And we've had a couple issues maybe with some Memphis wide receivers, not to name any specific names, but, I mean, he is just, again, I just said this, so explosive. He is not just a gadget guy. He has tools to that really don't let go, a transcend scheme, and he's so fast off the line. He's deadly in space. You saw his route running get a lot more specific over the last year. Like he can just go from zero to hundred at a moment's notice. And just the attention to detail has increased a lot. We saw that in the last year. Um, he's going to be a day two kind of an impact player. Uh, I've seen him going as high as around two, as low as around six. I think that's that six, that floor is going to increase with the combine. And as things we move forward here, you know, I see him year one in terms of the impact, not the kind of player, but the impact of a kind of a Dramitric Felton. You know, he came in with the Browns, had a couple of explosive plays, helped out when needed when they had a you know some injuries at the running back group, but he played in the slot. You could do some similar stuff with him. He could do some running backy things. You could hand off the ball to him, but he is a receiver. He is an explosive receiver. He's gotten comparisons to like Tutu Atwell, which I know that's not a ringing endorsement. Not like Tutu got a lot of burn over this last this last year, but. Uh, he's a better tutu. He's a more precise route runner. He is faster, all those things. So, you know, if there's just someone that I get to talk to, get to see, get to just get, you know, get in his ear, I really hope it's going to be him. That's awesome. Glad you brought him up and uh, I will cross him off of uh, my list. Uh, Nick, how about you? Do you have a player do you want to share since we're kind of talking about, you know, like receivers and such? You want to stick with that position? Yeah, actually, I will stick with that position. I got to see Calvin Austin practice at the Senior Bowl. Guy is quick and would be a great slot receiver and something that the Bears would definitely need right now. But sticking with the wide receiver position, and more so because I want to talk to these players because I don't know if the Bears are really going to have a chance to actually draft these guys because they might be gone by number 39. But that would be the Ohio State guys. Yes. Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. Like, being able to talk to them and seeing, like, how they mesh with Justin Fields and seeing – what he was kind of like behind the scenes, maybe ask some fun questions like, you know, was he really as good of a dancer as we've seen in some of the videos that go viral? Like, just having some fun with it, but just to see, like, you know, how was he back at Ohio State? And now, you know, if given the opportunity to play with him now in the pros, like how that would work, but getting an opportunity to talk with those guys, get to know a little bit more about Justin Fields, that would be a, you know, a great experience. So I, I'm pretty sure we'll get an opportunity to do that. But also on the other side of things, talking to some of the opponents that Justin Fields has played, like the, his last game against Alabama, the national championship, Christian Harris, the linebacker for the Crimson Tide, seeing, like, what's a difficulty when having to play like a player like Justin Fields and all the strengths that he has and being able to, you know, move. So those, those are kind of the things that I'm interested in in terms of players that I want to just talk to to get to know Justin Fields a little bit better. But a player that I, you know, would like to talk to because he just lit it up at the senior bowl ended up being the MVP of the game, Perry on Winfrey, um, the defensive lineman out of Oklahoma, a guy that look, Alan Williams talked about the emphasis of having that three tech position for this defense. And if the bears don't feel like they have that position on their current roster, man, I know that they're going to look to address it and Perry on Winfrey for what he showed, how he flashed that, that kind of mentality. I want to get to just know him better and see how he kind of, tests in all these different drills so Perry on Winfrey from Oklahoma is definitely a player I'm looking for in terms for the Bears but just some of the other guys just to get to know Justin Fields a little bit better 
I love your mindset. I, I had the the you know the Buckeye duo as well for that reason. I for the same exact uh, one as well though. Added their tackle, you know Nicholas Petit uh, Friere uh, as well. He was the right mm-hmm. tackle for Justin. Uh, he played left tackle uh, a year ago. And heck, if you know Mr. Ryan Poles looks at this roster and he's like, you know Larry Borm, you have upside, but I'm not quite sold yet. And does want to invest uh, another higher pick and a tackle. Justin may be able to reconnect with someone that was protecting him uh, at Ohio State uh, as well. And he does project uh, that Nicholas as left tackle. So then you could move Tevin Jenkins to right tackle, which is a position I think I'd still want him to play if I was going to have, you know, my two cents uh, on it as well. So, again, trying to find those Justin Fields connections. I'm sure we can find a lot of good antidotes uh, coming out of those players. I'm glad, you know, we always think along the same lines, but we had the same uh, idea here. And to kind of keep riding that same thought train, uh, I had Winfrey uh, on my short list, uh, as well as uh, the guy from Alabama, uh, Fedarian Mathis, because I do think the Bears are going to be in a market for a three-tech defensive tackle. Uh, and I know both of these guys uh, are very versatile, can line up in different alignments. They're both big, they're strong. Uh, and I think they both bring more pass rush productivity than someone like a Bilal Nichols. Uh, there's a good chance that we're without a key mix and Bilal Nichols entering next season. So the Bears, you know, you have Angelo Blackson. I think he could be okay there, but I don't believe, like, you can really ride on him and as well as, you know, not addressing this position. So looking at some of those guys uh, who the Bears could be targeting in this draft to fill that three-tech defensive tackle spot uh, is definitely one of my uh, priorities uh, as well. Uh, and I think, and we're all probably in agreement here, uh, outside of offensive line, the defensive line, receiver, Maybe I'm the only one, but did you guys put the rest of your focus at like, you know, defensive back, both corner and safety? Because that's kind of where my mind goes next. That and also like middle linebacker, like with how the Bears are now going to be in a 4-3, it's like you you do have to look for another guy there. So So do you believe Roquan will be the will backer? Because (sighs) So I had to like almost re- like refresh myself on like the positions and how they're kind of played and like seeing the mold and types and stuff like that. But from what I was reading, it's like the will is the most uh, product productive linebacker out of the, out of the group. One that's going to make a lot of tackles, use the mic and the Sam to free up that guy who has a sideline, sideline speed to be that productive back. And that's, that's exactly what, you know, Roquan is, but look, they haven't obviously designated anything yet, but I think, the more and more I think about it, the Bears are probably going to add a middle line, somebody maybe even a little bit bigger, honestly, who's going to be inside a lot of those scrums and stuff and allow that being having somebody like that will free up Roquan to be just, I think, even more productive. And that's hard to say because he's he's already one of the most productive linebackers in the league. But I'll pass it over to Mason because I see you want to say something, Mason. Well, no, I was just going to say, I know when Roque, Alan Williams was like a pretty – monotone guy very calm but when Roquan Smith's name was brought up he lit up and I don't think you light up over a guy like that if you weren't planning on putting him at such you know the important position like a will and exactly like you just said Nick you know if you're gonna bring someone in like like say it was a rookie that you're gonna trust with that you're probably gonna bring one in maybe like you said a bigger guy that you could just say hey go A to B block plug the hole and let Roquan do his thing just you know eat up all those blocks that you can so he I think he fits the mold relatively pretty well. And 
I think Alan Williams is going to do whatever he can to, to make that work for Roquan, to be completely honest. But I do think linebacker is going to be big. I mean, you essentially have two positions to fill, whether it's re-signing someone, free agency, or the draft. So uh, you got to do some work there. So to kind of put it in perspective, it's a very similar system that we ran you know, under uh, Lovey Smith as well, as we know. So is Roquan more Brian Urlacher or is he more Lance Briggs? Because Briggs was our weak side guy. Briggs was the will, and then he had Urlacher as the mic. Do you believe Roquan is more the Lance Briggs kind of player? I I think in this system he would be, but I, I feel like that almost saying that almost takes takes away from Roquan. Even though Lance Briggs was a super productive player, right? And I see like in the comment, Erlacher was a mic, Roquan will be too. I mean, they haven't said no, but I just feel like it it's gonna allow Roquan to be even more productive in that sense. Like the the biggest thing I think of with if Roquan isn't the mic is that play calling duty, because I think that is something that, you know, Roquan Smith does, does very well being the leader of that defense. And you would almost have to kind of just pass it off to somebody else, I guess, in, in a way, but like, that's going to be like what we'll have to figure out. Correct. And again, I don't think saying that he's, if he, if he moves to the will backer position, I don't think that's like a demotion. I don't think that's a knock on him. It's you have a new system that you're playing in and you have to find the best use of those players as we talked about earlier. And if that's what's going to allow Roquan to be his best self and make the biggest impact on this defense, then that's okay. Uh, I think we have to be mentally flexible about what this defense is and what it can be because Iberflu said himself, I mean, this isn't going to, isn't your grandfather's four three either. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is gonna be very different. It's hybrid. They're in and out of it all the time. It, you know, it's, it's going to be pretty different looking. So I wouldn't be surprised if it, they did kind of a hybrid flow role between these guys. Like it's not as strict as Mike will Sam. Yeah. That's a great point as well. And it's not like, you know, when the bears go to like nickel, like you'd main, you'll probably keep Roquan on there. Cause he's a really damn good cover linebacker too. So uh, well, that's. I think we're getting into a different discussion I didn't anticipate uh, getting into, but I love it. I, I really do because that is super important because I was looking at linebacker and I was, do I look at Mike? Do I look at like weak side guys? And I didn't know yet. So I was saving that for like my preparations getting into the draft and the, into the combine and not really for this episode. But I'm glad that, uh, you know, Nick, you're looking at middle guys as well, but uh, while your internet, I know you guys are going through a snowstorm up there, is kind of figuring itself out. Mason, do you want to share another prospect? Yeah, one I want to touch on real quick, uh, not get super deep into, but George Pickens. Uh, he would be a first-round choice if he hadn't suffered that ACL in the spring. You know, was out of sight for a while, but he had some pretty important catches in that national championship run that they had. Uh, definitely a long pass catcher and able to go up and get the ball. So I think that'd be really good for Justin. I mean, we saw that how much he liked throwing that deep ball last year and how efficient he was at it. And just for me, even I keep keep bringing these points up. I want to pick his, you know, his brain about what he did in his rehab process, where he's at with it. You know, where, where, what is he continuing to do? Because he did pop in real quick for, like I said, for that championship run, but it wasn't like he was a clean finished product. He did what he had to do just to get on the field. But to someone that I was surprised that Nick didn't bring up, but maybe it's just because he talks to him too much about him too much is Tyler Linderbaum, right? The center out of Iowa. <laughs> I'm not convinced that he's a lot of mocks have him around like 15 or so. I don't think you can trust a lot of that with, especially with a center or a guard even, because as we know, they're just not as highly valued when it comes to draft stock. 
the quarterback draft makes things all screwy. So there is a chance that Linderbaum drops. And if he drops relatively far, I think that there's a chance that someone could swoop in. I know Nick is shaking his head over there, but it's just someone that would be interesting to talk to. Iowa guy, uh, maybe I can become besties and make Nick jealous. There you go. I, I like that Nick's internet allows him to shake his head on that, but the rest of the time the video has been haphazard. Yeah, of course it works with an, like an Iowa guy, but uh, if man, if like I'm going putting the pick in for Ryan Poles, if Linderbaum's there at 39, like we're doing it. Sorry, Sam Mustafer, have new center and we're good to go. But I think any, you know what, what would be a good like question to obviously ask is like with any of the offensive linemen, and we can obviously do our own research, but that wrestling background, having that background with offensive linemen for me. I think is such a plus because you see it out on, on the field of how they're kind of just manhandling people up, being in the right position, getting low and things like that. And, you know, I, I and obviously Linderbaum has that he actually slammed Tristan Wirfs um, in, in the championship round that they were playing. So he, he won that one um, again, having that wrestling background, but yeah, I won't, I won't go too much on, on Iowa stuff. So there's lucky. There's not many guys in this, in this draft from Iowa because oh, that's Thank on my God. list. I'll talk to him because I want to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know how those go. Uh, we've had those, uh, those draft classes before, you know, I go, I went to IU, so I don't have to worry about that so much. We get a guy here and there, uh, every year or so. So when I'm looking at my list, uh, before I go defense heavy, I, I just want to mention like when I'm looking at wide receivers, I'm primarily looking to replace Allen Robinson. I'm trying to find an X receiver out of this draft class, whether it be in the second round with like a David Bell uh, out of Purdue or maybe an Alec Pierce from Cincinnati who also has, you know, who could be available in the third round as a good size, six foot two, two oh eight. He's a red zone threat. Uh, George Pickens from Georgia. I, I know he has, uh, he's a little skinny. Uh, I like myself. Uh, he has some injury concerns, but he's six foot three, a downfield threat. And then another guy on my radar, at least as of right now, is uh, Drake London uh, out of USC, uh, who could be available. I uh, don't know if he will make it to pick number 39, but if he does, that would be a home run in my eyes. At least right now, he's a whopping six foot five, basketball background, top notch athleticism, strong hands, can win at the point of attack and win those 50 50 balls. And as Mason, you said, and I think all three of us know, Justin loves to throw the deep ball. And I want to find a more downfield threats. And everyone who I just listed would fit that to a T and they bring some size to the table uh, as well, all being over uh, six foot two or higher or taller would be the correct way to, to frame that. Uh, looking at, I do want to focus on, I think, the defensive backs before we move on to our next segment and talk about or answer some Bears fan questions. And if you're watching live and you have a question for us, think about it. Don't drop it now because I'll lose it. Um, but we'll add it here uh, in just a little bit. Um, but Mason or Nick, uh, do you, either of you have like a DB uh, that you're looking into at this stage? Yeah, it's hard. It's so hard right now because trying to figure out where everyone's going to fall. I mean, the common and the pro days are so important, but someone that stood out to me, was Daxton Hill out of Michigan. Again, likely gone in the first round. But if there you know, is a run on certain positions and he happens to fall, interesting guy because he actually uh, is not only an option at like free safety, but he played slot cornerback for the Wolverines as well um, and could easily do so with the Bears. We know that the Bears have struggled in with slot. They struggled on the outside. <laughs> there, there's a lot of positions that just need a little help. And I like the idea of having that flexibility you know, that's always something that I think the NFL is moving towards in general, whether you're talking about on offense or defense. So just the fact that he had that 
ability to play both a free safety and a cornerback position is something that's really interesting for me. For sure. Nick, how about you? One guy that I saw mocked to the Bears, and I haven't done any research on him, haven't really looked into him, but it's Kair Elam, the cornerback mm-hmm. from Florida, 6'2", 200 pounds. So saw him mocked there, so that will be a guy that I, you know, just automatically would kind of look into. But, you know, they, they can look for an outside guy, but equally as important in this 4-3 defense, and any defense now that you really look, is that nickel position. And are the Bears, are they happy with what they currently have no. there at the nickel position? Exactly. So they they that you're looking at two, I think, different body types then, essentially, for what you're wanting to look for in a corner, the bigger guy on the outside and a more shifty guy um, like a Kenny Moore that they had in Indianapolis that was a pro bowler. Right. So completely different in terms of how they will look in terms of the measurables uh, physically. But that's also just another thing the Bears have to really think about. And maybe they address that, honestly, in free agency. Who knows? But. That, that'll obviously be something that I kind of work on as we kind of get closer and closer to the combine and, and obviously the draft. I have two other guys that would fit each of those molds, uh, one slot corner and another outside guy. Uh, so the other outside player would be Martin Emerson out of uh, Mississippi State, who I'm looking into. Uh, he's projected around that second round as well as uh, Elam. Uh, he's an outside guy, six foot two, long arms. Uh, he excels in zone, uh, known for his really good vision. Uh, also doesn't shy away in run support. Uh, and I think the Bears in their new system under Eberflus will be zone heavy. Uh, so I'm anticipating getting corners that can use their eyes, watch a quarterback size, and be able to kind of play in space will be very important. Uh, as I see right now, Emerson does fit that mold. Uh, and then my slot guy is later on in the draft. Uh, he's projected right around the fifth round right now. And, you know, lucky for us, uh, we have two of those uh, as well. And that's Marcus Jones out of Houston. Uh, last season, 47 tackles, five interceptions, 13 PBUs, and a forced fumble in 13 games. Uh, like you said, Nick, different body type. He's five foot eight, 185 pounds. I want to find out how does he project himself in the next level being on the shorter side? How does he make up for it? Uh, what I see so far is he does that with his athleticism. Uh, he's very twitchy, plays really fast, and even though he's small, he likes to deliver big hits. Uh, so I love that aggressive mentality uh, as well as his ability to kind of stick with receivers. Uh, and on top of that, if, say, Jakeem Grant doesn't come back, Jones is a return specialist, over 2,800 total kick return yards between kickoffs and punts and nine touchdowns in his collegiate career. Uh, so he is someone that could be dangerous with the ball in his hands in the third phase. So those are just a couple of other corners I'm looking into. Uh, then my short list at safety is Lewis uh, Kine, C-I-N-E, Kine, Sign. Anyone have a guess? No, no. I have nothing, I have nothing for you, Will. Not yet. Uh, yes. The good thing, we have a huge pronunciation guide when we get to the combine, and I won't True. be able to make those mistakes. And then Verone McKinley the third uh, is another safety that's intriguing me now. Because, again, I think – Defensive back in general is going to be one that Iberflus and Poles collectively will look at and say, that needs addressing. I feel like you could look at every position and say that. But if the Bears want to succeed on defense, like they're going to have to shore up the back end as well as make sure uh, that the front end, like we talked about earlier, the defensive line with some of the overhaul that we're anticipating, uh, you have to retool that one as well. So it's going to be interesting uh, to say the least. All right. Well, I know this show's running long, uh, which is great because it's been a couple of weeks since we've been on air. And, you know, when we do five episodes a week, this won't be, you know, maybe they will be shorter, but then getting to more content uh, each and every single day. So, guys, 
I just want to know what are some of those big questions on your mind right now? You know, when it comes to the bears and this next phase of the off season, Nick, I'll go over to you. What's like your biggest question uh, as it stands today? I think when I look at this bears team, we talk about those question marks on this roster and being on the offensive side, like the offensive line and wide receiver, what's, what's going to be their bears. What's going to be the approach of how you kind of retool this enough or restructure, honestly, to help, you know, give Justin Fields a chance in his, his second season. So, yes, you can you can t- maybe address some of it in the draft or in free agency, but is this something that can realistically be done in an offseason? Or can you get it to a point where you feel good about the product that's going out there that Justin Fields is going to capitalize on whatever you do to retool the offensive line and wide receiver position? So those are questions that, Ryan Poles, Matty Rafloos, you know, this Bears organization really have to look at and see how they're going to best approach this because that's going to be huge for Justin Fields if he's supposed to take this jump in year two with all these new players around him, a new scheme. You need to put out something that, in terms of players, that could be productive that will ultimately help Justin. And it's a lot to do with what I think they're in the, maybe the top half in, in cap space. You still have to sign a bunch of people. There might be, you know, cuts and things. So we'll see how the cap looks. But with five draft picks, none being in the first round, second, third, two fifths, and a sixth, you're limited on the the resources you have. So, man, Ryan Pohl's got a heck of a first, you know, job being a GM, trying to best make 2022 a season where Justin Fields can still – elevate his game because any anything less than that you're one wasting a year on his rookie contract but the product we, we need to see the production from justin fields that's what's most important the bears will not go anywhere if justin fields isn't taking the right steps and if you don't have the right players in terms of the offensive line and wide receiver position there then then we're back to square one that leads into my question is five draft picks enough like is it and if it's not how do you wheel and deal to get more this year and how he does that or doesn't do that, I think tells you a lot about how he feels about the 2022 outlook as well as the team's future. Like, does he leverage the future to decide to like rebuild quickly retool now, or does he try to give, you know, get rid of some veterans to get some cap, you know, to draft picks and cap relief as well. Cause how he approaches it, I think would be very telling of what kind of year will happen now and what he's thinking for the future. Cause you, you mentioned it. We talk about it all the time, like a rookie quarterback on a contract is a great window if you can hit it right. And it's small and we're already getting through it. We're one year down, you know, next year we'll be almost be halfway through it. Cause what fifth year would be an option. Uh, so almost halfway, uh, through his rookie deal, I don't know. Like, I don't think five draft picks is enough. And if you if that's all you got, then you better hit on every single one of them. And that's not usually how those things go. But at, as of right now, guys, I wouldn't want to like, trade away next year's picks. Like, I would love to keep those. Uh, how about you? Like, would you be okay with borrowing from the future more and more? Because we've done it a lot, and the results haven't been there. And I know some teams can get good results with it, but I'm tired of having – you know, only a second rounder or starting in the third round. Like when can we have first round picks again? And I know Justin was a first rounder last year, but before that we were out for a while and we lost one this year. And I I would hate to lose more to move up in this year's draft or get additional picks. I want to make sure we keep stacking draft picks instead of giving them away. I agree with that. When you look at, when you look at like a team like the Rams, right? The joke is that Lesney doesn't care about 
first round draft picks. But the thing behind the joke is that the Rams collect the mid round picks though. They actually they're one of the top in the league at those middle round picks. And that's a lot of you know, bites at the apple, swings at the plate. And that's something that when you look at this year with only five picks, that's something that the Bears don't have. And if you borrow from the future, you're just doing the same exact thing in a couple of years down the road. And that's where also you have to be smart with your free agency decisions too. Kind of like Nick was alluding to. One of my bigger questions is how creative can you get with some of these free agents and creating offense? Because when you look at, for example, some of the wide receivers that are going to be available, they're not the best names and some of the ones that are injured. Allen Robinson, he's not coming back. Chris Godwin is coming off an ACL. Devontae Adams is going to get franchise tags or signed to a contract or whatever. Will Fuller is broken all the time. Jameson Crowder has never been great. T.Y. Hilton's old. Juju is crazy. Emmanuel Sanders is old. A.J. Green is old. Gallup's got an ACL tear. And so those are some of the top receivers. So how do you get creative to make get some weapons? You know, do you dive into the tight end market and get someone that maybe has some bang that hasn't, like a David Njoku, I think he'd be someone who's really interesting, give you a little more flair at the tight end position, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, there's got to be some wheeling and dealing, some creativity, or else it's like, dang, what else are you going to do? Yeah, and I think you mentioned the word creativity and being creative with the limited resources will be important. And on top of that, the level of aggressiveness that polls will approach this offseason to me is just the other big question mark because he can do both. He can be creative and aggressive or he can be creative to find ways to be conservative this year and tool himself up for a big off season in 2023. And I think those are the questions like, right. We have no idea how he's going to shape this roster, how many guys are going, how much cap is going to be, what he'll do in the draft. And I'm just excited. I would anticipate him to be moderately aggressive. Like I don't expect him to, you know, mortgage our future, but I also don't expect him to sit on his hands this year. And I don't know what that looks like. And that's up to him to decide and to show us. But that's kind of where I'm at today in terms of like what I would expect. I think that's a good approach. I mean, Brett Veach is someone that if you see something, you know, has been like, you could just look at when they, the Chiefs knew they had to restructure that offensive line. They gave up a first, a second, and I forgot what the, the whole draft hall was to get Orlando Brown, right? So they did that. They knew they needed to do that. And still with that second-round draft pick that they had, they still drafted another offensive lineman. So they knew there was a problem with their team. They addressed in that next offseason after the Super Bowl loss and, you know, ended up back in in the playoffs being in a competitive game, right? So I think that what Ryan Ryan Poles will take from all of his, his years in Kansas City is that very similarly how even a Ryan Pace approached things, if he has conviction on somebody – it's just how much are you willing to mortgage? And if you are going into the future again, like Ryan Pace consistently did, that's where we get to these years where there are no, like you were saying, Will. So it's going to be an interesting approach how how he kind of sees it. But like I was like looking at some of the past drafts, um, every single draft since Ryan Poles uh, went to Kansas City since 2009, and just seeing how they kind of, I think, value positions because that's going to be a big part of it too because the Bears need a wide receiver. Yep. Well, and the Bears obviously have a second, third round pick. The Chiefs since 2009 have drafted three wide receivers in either the second or third round total since 2009. So, and obviously you see what you have on your team and things like that, but the position value, what you have in terms of draft capital, and also your board will determine how you kind of go about addressing that certain position. So it's going to be interesting how Ryan Poles does in his first 
here as a uh, GM of the Bears and, and, and just approaching the draft. I heard that his mentality this year is no picks, no cap, no problem. I like that because that's exactly where the Bears are at. <laughs> <laughs> Other than that, I think the biggest questions are inside of the bigger umbrella that we just kind of over, uh, you know, put out right now. Like, how many changes are coming to the offensive line? Like, will they resign James Daniels? I don't believe Ryan Poles will look at Sam Mustafer and say, you're a starting center in this league. I'm positive he's going to move on uh, from Mustafer. Again, gut feeling, uh, at least from over here. And what he'll do at the tackle position, is he a fan of Jenkins? I would say yes, uh, but Borum would be the bigger question mark. We saw some good things from him. It would just be how confident is he in Borum starting uh, next season, or is he someone that still is a little bit raw that needs to continue uh, to develop? And same thing for defense. We talked about the Roquan question. Like That was one of mine here coming up. Like, What will they do with Roquan? And I think that will have a ripple effect on free agency in the draft because you're going to have to supplement and I'm also glad that we don't have to have two inside linebackers because that's been uh, a hard position to fill, uh, you know, for a while now as well in Chicago. So, uh, so many questions. Any others, guys, before we get into some questions submitted by our, our listeners? Who who are the players that you better stop gaps that you already have? So between like, you know, a Danny Trevathan and Alec Ogletree, like do you really end up cutting Danny and not re-signing Ogletree, or do you use one of them as a stopgap so that you don't have to sign someone in free agency or use a draft pick? Um, is there someone else like a uh, Blal Nichols? Does he know that he isn't perfectly fit with what's going on? But do you use that kind of a player to bridge again to the to the next player? Uh, you say the same thing with safety, right? With Gibson over there, like has he been fantastic? No, but he's been solid. You just bring him back a year until you can find your next actual strong safety. Who in house? is going to breed those bridge players? Great question. Do you have any in mind? I would say between Trevathan and Ogletree, I would lean Ogletree for like a Mike backer, but even then, like, it's a little different than we saw him do a year ago. So would he have the same impact? I don't mm-hmm. know. Blow Nichols may be pricey uh, to be a stopgap guy. Uh, I don't think he's going to warrant a huge contract, but more than I'd be willing to pay. So I would look at, like, Blackson as someone I would call stopgap. Defensively, someone who I don't know how he fits in his defense anymore would be like a Jeremiah Atachu uh, that we signed from Denver a year ago to be a stand-up edge rusher. I don't think he transitions to a hand-of-the-dirt kind of guy. And I know. Oh, I, th- I think he's gone. Yeah. <laughs> I think he, I, Eddie Goldman, too. He is cut. Mm-hmm. And so, so many question marks in terms of, like, exactly that. Like, who can be those players and who will we move on from? And I know there's some questions – uh, from a listener about who we think could be cap casualties. So I'll, I'll save it for him because uh, he did ask us that question. But, boy, uh, it's not going to be an easy off season. I'm expecting a lot of change, but I'm still very excited uh, about what we can do here. It's just transitions sometimes are hard to navigate because there's just so many unknowns right now. That's a good way of putting it, Will. And, yeah, um, I'll kind of save – I was going to ask one question. Even the listeners can – chime in on this if you had to choose uh who to extend are you extending for a contract james daniels or Bilal nichols and knowing how the importance of the three technique with maybe Bilal nichols how he fits there or james daniels in, in terms of what he's done and does he fit what maybe ryan poles is envisioning for the uh this offensive line i was sitting in my bed just thinking about it. i'm like man i don't think it's as clear cut as i would like it to be like to be completely honest i, I think it would be James Daniels, but I'm not, not like a hundred percent sure on that. 
But if you had to bring back only one of those guys, who are you bringing back? And maybe we don't have an answer on this show, but that's a question that I want to pose here because I think that's going to also be something the Bears ultimately really end up thinking about as they kind of approach this offseason. I, I see two for Nichols already in the chat uh, between Cliff and Jeremy. Uh, uh, for me, I don't know. Because, I mean, Nichols would be cheaper. Daniels would, I think he's going to get a decent payday, but I don't know if he's worth all that money. I know he's still young uh, as well, and he's been through so many positional changes. Hey, play right guard, play left guard, play center. You know, stand in your head and uh, count to 10 and then go out there and play football. It's hard for someone to go through all that inconsistency when you're trying to establish yourself in the league. And he's been at times very good, uh, at times solid, and at times kind of a letdown. And so he's been a mixed bag. Uh, so I don't know. I I would think Daniels in general because I don't know about Nichols' fit. And I I don't think – I think we Nichols, unfortunately, is reaching his ceiling. And if he's reaching his ceiling, is that where you're going to just accept that level of play at the position or are you going to ask for more out of it? And I would anticipate uh, more is the correct answer here. And I know the same thing goes with Daniels too. Maybe the answer is neither. Could be. Yeah. What do you think of Mason? Um, so I've been playing with Buckus Sports's off Bears off-season Excel sheet. It's really fun, by the way. If anyone wants to go with that, basically, it's a way to break down building the Bears uh, offense or not offense, excuse me, team. And so he uses kind of the prediction of what you know the annual average might be for different players. You know what other players have gotten, things like that. And what there's that's coming up with his nickels would be around eight mil. Daniel's about 10 mil. Uh, if I'm picking between the two, if that's the question, not like if I can't say neither, if I can't say both, all those arguments, I would personally pick Nichols a slightly with a slight less hit on with that AAV, but also just because with James Daniels, I haven't seen enough flashes. Like there's like the one where he like threw the player in the Raiders game. At least with Nichols, I think I've seen more flashes, even though they've been fewer and far between. Daniels has always just been kind of base, this baseline level. Really have never, never has, hasn't really peaked very much. And then there's a lot of dumb stuff too. Like there was a couple of those like down the field penalties. I mean, some of that might've been coaching. So give, take that with a grain of salt, but there were too many times. Like he was the one that was like down the field on a pass play. And it's like, come on, dude, what are you doing? So if I had a pick between the two, it'd be Nichols. Good question, Nick. I was thinking about it like in bed, like, hmm, this is going to be interesting once the Bears are starting to make all these moves. But, yeah, That's we'll see. That's what you think I, about like in said, bed. Uh, yeah, I don't know why. I think I had Madden on, like, Bears, Madden, Nichols, 2018 draft. It's, I don't know. It was it was a weird time. I'm not connecting <laughs> the dots. Uh, I just think you're sitting there thinking about James Daniels in Iowa, and that's where it came to be. He's okay, got the poster I think on I his ceiling, actually. He's just looking up at James Daniels, looking down at him the whole time. I mean, that's what I'm looking at right now when I'm not, like, looking at the camera on this show. It's like those – no. Uh, I, I saw Mark Wiseman, who was a fullback at Iowa, at Bears Fit, re- reminded me of the time I interviewed him and James Daniels for a story. I think that's why it all came up and it's snowing. I don't know. Who knows? It, it happened. Though. It's snowing? No. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't that know. darn snow and Daniels. <laughs> oh. All right. Uh, let's get into some fan questions, too. I asked social media earlier today. Uh, now's a great time. If you're listening and you have a question for us, drop it in the chat. We'll answer a couple of those as well. 
Uh, I'll ask this one from Manny, and I'll go over to uh, Mason for it. Uh, Manny says he doesn't – he's not saying he wants it to happen, but what do you think the Bears could realistically, realistically get uh, for Khalil Mack in a trade? Uh, do you have any thoughts on that? I know you're not like a, you know, like a trade value expert, but I'm yeah. sure like you can look at like Von Miller as a good example. Like he didn't get any first, but he got a couple mid rounds for him. That may be a good one to draw from, but I don't know if you had any thoughts on it. I think the timing of the trade is also really important. If you traded him this off season, I don't think you're getting as much because every team is coming with this fresh new feeling of, Oh, we're awesome. We can, you know, make a Super Bowl run. And if anything, you're not, you don't even know what you're missing when you're a team like that, like you think you do. The thing with the Von Miller trade is when it happened, since it happened during the season, I think they got, the Rams got a little bit, sorry, gave up less for, or got, flip it, whatever. Von Miller got the compensation for Von Miller was better than it would have been if it happened in the off season. Um, and at the end of the day, Mac is still getting older, coming off an injury, all of those things. You might get like a second and third, something like that. I just don't think it's something that you're going to be happy with. Nope. Uh, I, I, even if you flip the question to Quinn, same thing. I mean, that would even drop for Quinn. It would you would get like a third, maybe a fourth or something. Again, something you're just not pumped about. Their value is more important on this team than what you would garner from it, especially with the unknown of what that draft pick would end up being. Right? Like, who does that turn into? Yeah, I saw another question in the chat from Travis. Like, why is everyone talking about trading Mac? I don't know. Uh, it's a question that came our way, and I just copied and pasted it from Twitter and threw it in here uh, to discuss. I don't know. Uh, but it's a good question uh, because we need to think about all possibilities. Uh, next question comes from Logan. And, Nick, I'll pass this over to you. Uh, what do you think is the most logical process to fix the skill players and the line on offense? Uh, and if you have to pick one or the other, do you fix the offensive line through free agency, uh, wide receiver through the draft, or vice versa? You know, we were kind of touching on this earlier, too. Like, I think you have to approach it in, in both avenues, through free agency and the draft. Kind of, you look at what the Chiefs did. I go back to Orlando Brown training for him. But still, uh, what, a couple days later in the draft, that day two, second round, they go and draft another offensive lineman. Uh, I Like I was kind of detailing earlier, the Chiefs in general have not drafted a lot of wide receivers in the second or third round. Like I said, since 2009, since Ryan Poles has gone there, and he's worked his way up the ladder, so had more influence on kind of the guys he's scouting and looking at. Still, only three wide receivers. I think it was two in the second round since 2009 and one in the third round um, that they've actually drafted there. Like a Tyreek Hill was a fifth-round draft pick. I looked at Travis Kelsey, it was a third-round draft Like, So maybe it's not It's not to say that they won't go draft a wide receiver at number 39 with, the second, with that second-round uh, pick, but... I think you're going to see a little bit of both because if you only are going to do it through free agency, then I think you're you're limiting yourself. So it, it will, I think, influence how they approach the draft on what they potentially acquire. But to, to be completely honest, how the Bears approach retooling the offensive line wide receiver, I'm sure you'll see some, some wide receivers and maybe an offensive lineman sign, and then they can double dip. In 2018, the Bears, what, they double dipped at two positions, if I'm not mistaken, inside linebacker with Roquan and Iggy. And then uh, wide receiver with Anthony Miller and Javon Wims. Not to say that these, this current regime will do that, but you're double dipping. Nice. Way to pull that out. I was, I was hoping you would. That was an excellent uh, callback to the 2018 uh, draft class. Uh, next question comes from Carlos. Uh, dome or Bears weather for upcoming perennial playoff appearances? Uh, I'm going to say why not 
both? Like, why can't we start going to the playoffs in Soldier Field? And then if you build the new stadium in Arlington Heights in a couple of years and it has a retractable roof and you can choose whatever you want per day, that's awesome. But I would hope that if the Bears are moving stadiums and moving away, which I anticipate to be the case, we can get to the playoffs before then and then keep going after the fact. I would not want to wait because that's like earliest, like what, 2026, 2027, like before that's even like a real possibility of playing there. So I would hope we can get there a a little bit sooner. Um, But fun question. Uh, Nevertheless, thank you, Carlos. Uh, Brian P. has a question for us, and I thought this was a fun one that we can all chime in with. Uh, what are some of those bottom, 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 bottom roster gems uh, that polls will elevate? And by elevate, I don't know if he means move up the depth chart or perhaps develop. And I'm looking at it from like a maybe uh, a development lens because developing players has been lacking in Chicago. And I don't think that's really a polls question as much as an Eberflus. Maybe it's a combination uh, of the two and that new coaching staff. But who are some of those guys on the bottom end of the roster that you would hope uh, that the Bears can develop and elevate at a higher status down the line. Uh, I know Mason has one, if I had to guess. Uh, but, Nick, I'll go over to you first. Uh, I'll leave Mason's guy for, for Mason. But I'll go Thomas Graham Jr., a guy that started to kind of trickle in to the defense later on in the season. But I think Matt Eberflus, Alan Williams, the, the safeties, coaches, like everybody needs to – just kind of look at what they have currently on the roster and see if there are people that are players that could potentially fill those voids that they currently have on the defense. So I look at a Thomas Graham Jr. and, you know, he had a really good couple of games there. And could that translate now to a new defense? And, you know, they're going to be under the hits kind of philosophy. And if as long as they're kind of putting that effort into every single practice and physically becoming better, you never know. So that's who I'm kind of looking at. For me, I pray that Ryan Poles, uh, you know, gets he looks at his roster and sees the talent that's been sitting on here for years and no one's been getting into, and that is Jesper Horstead. Like, that man, all he does is catch touchdowns, and they don't put him on the field. It pisses me off, and I hope that they can change it. He should have been playing over Jimmy Graham last year, uh, at times maybe over Cole Komet. He had a good connection. Uh, with Justin he was and every time he's out there over the past four years and then you know making the final roster I was so excited for him and then they decided yeah we'll just keep you on the sideline still unfortunate uh, but I still think he is more talented than the previous coaching staff gave him credit uh, based off what I saw in training camps based off what I saw in preseasons based what I saw in regular season games as well he makes the most of his touches and his opportunities and I hope that they give him a bigger one than he's gotten before here in Chicago Mason how about you I think the the guy that you both think I'm gonna say and rightly should probably say is Khalil Herbert yeah uh, he, he's I mean the, the thing is though I don't even see him as a bomb of the roster guy anymore I mean he sh- he was treated like one by the last regime for some reason. Hey, you know what? Get 100 yards against, you know, the top-ranked Tampa Bay defense, and then, oh, wait, goodbye, and then you don't see him really again. Um, so I think that's a hopefully an obvious one that this coaching staff, uh, Getsy, are going to look at and be like, well, especially thinking about what Getsy came from. I mean, using Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon the way they did in Packers, you could see very easily how you could use two running backs efficiently. Uh, especially to save some wear and tear on, on both your backs. But the one I think who's a true bottom of the roster guy that could actually make an impact might be a Caleb Johnson. 
Uh, thinking defensively, you know, with Eberflus and all that, Caleb Johnson was a guy that I predicted would make the roster, and Will said, Mason, you're crazy. And I said, I'll show you crazy. And then he made it. It was really cool. Um, and he just had, he's got some raw athleticism. That's great. He's got a great body type. You know, he could be one of those guys that's a plug-in and bridge over, you know, just, hey, fill the role, do some of the dirty work, shove your nose in there so that Roquan can do Roquan things. You know, if someone's going to bring it out of him, why wouldn't it be Iberflus? And he's definitely not a loafer, that's for sure. Yeah, that's a really good point. Sorry, I was looking at my phone. Someone just bought one of our great polos, uh, which I thought was nice. Uh, and I guess it's a good time to say if you want a Chicago Audible shirt, you may want to get one soon uh, because of our transition and acquisition. Uh, I'm sure I have to shut that store down within a couple of weeks. So. And another thing that you may want to do here, um, and then the last question uh, from uh, social media, then I'll get to a couple I saw in the chat. Uh, this one comes from David. Uh, who do you expect to be a cap casualty uh, this offseason? Nick, do you have any uh, potential targets in mind? Yeah, and David, shout out to David to you from Waukegan. Uh, so, yeah, I think when you look at cap casualties and people that can possibly cut, like we were talking about that offensive line, like, Cody Whitehair, you guys, is a guy that potentially could be cut here. You're looking at that that post-June 1st cut, uh, $4.2 million in dead money, but you're saving $8.1 in cap. Like, that's a guy that has not played well. He has not played well, especially last season. Could you find somebody else that can do this job, do yes. this job better in free agency? And then Dan Trevathan. Look, I mean, that's someone that easily is like you cut him and – um, it, that we saw coming, you know, in midway of last season. So those are two guys easily. But you guys mentioned like a Jeremiah Tatu. Now, I think Will, you were the first one that brought up like Eddie Goldman being somebody that was on the fringe. And this was like I forgot when you mentioned it. I'm like, no way, not Eddie Goldman. What are you What are you talking about? And I said that obviously to myself. But now, in, in this scheme and kind of seeing where he's at and seeing the rise of Tonga. It, it might. It's not out of the realm of possibility. I, I, I have a feeling that Goldman does somehow make it back on this roster, but that's someone fit? like if he would be the, he would be the nose. So you have three. He would be that nose tackle. I think he fits that, you know, well. He would he would fill that position being a bigger body. But again, if you have somebody like a Tonga that can do it and making what he's making as a seventh round draft pick, like you can use that money somewhere else and. Look, trying to find yeah okay so dead money 5.15 million cap saving 6.66 million um and that's not a june 1st cut but could be and i probably just stole everybody i'm sorry like we were all asked this question yet yeah, yeah you just need like half the rambled on roster. and uh, yeah so I, i'm gonna shut up now if you have anybody else like go right ahead the, i just stole everybody <laughs> i i think I, I have a player too but i going back to eddie goldman considering sitting out a year due to COVID, coming in not in the best of shape, not being able to go 100%, and then also not producing. No, that position is not like it ranks up a stats or anything, but the Bears were giving up too many yards against the run, and he was supposed to be smacked up in the middle stopping it. Plus this transition, I don't necessarily think he fits a 4-3. That could be argued for sure. Um, I just think that's too obvious, especially with that money. But the guy I was going to go with is Tariq Cohen. Because you know it'd be about 1.75 against the cap if you cut him, but you're saving four million. He he was out all year. 
Unfortunately, there is the death of his brother, which I, which we've seen maybe has pulled him back a little bit even more so from football. And do you need that player? Is that something you actually absolutely have to have, especially when maybe that that four million can be used, you know, elsewhere where there's so many other holes we just talked about, like literally. I would expect the entire offensive line, the starters going into the game one of this last year would probably be different than the entire five going into game one of this upcoming year. There, there's a lot to be done there. We talked about receiver, all those things. Uh, and it's, there's just too much of an unknown with, with, with what's going on in that knee. Um, and even before that, there was some questionable how much was he really contributing. You know, there were some explosive plays. There were some cool things, but it wasn't consistent enough. A player like him is a bit of a luxury. I mean, I love him to death, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know as well. I mean, it's a tough one. I mean, because of all the reasons that you just mentioned. And didn't he mention, like, the fear a bit with his leg, too? And I I know sometimes that you mentioned that, I think about a year ago almost, on the show about, I forget, what's his phobia called again? Kinesiophobia. There is a study out there that shows, uh, there's a test, uh, or that basically you have not take it. If you score a certain number on that test, it shows you have kinesiophobia, fear of movement, and you're actually significantly more likely to re-tear that ACL. And the thought process behind it is you're not moving the way you need to when you're training and just movement patterns to get you ready. And then all of a sudden you're out in the practice field, you're out in the game now, boom, and you don't have the stability you need. So with, with the fact that he's all talking about that, a year removed and he still hasn't and there were no signs we haven't seen him jogging around and we've seen nothing it's the kind of the opposite of the odell beckham thing i said earlier um i i just don't know that i would even trust that kind that that name. yeah i mean we're a year and a half removed yeah that, yeah usually players will get to about a hundred percent two years out but you've at least been showing some signs and there's been no signs Yep, that's that's the concern there. Outside of that, I'm sure there are other players there, but those seem like the big ones right now that are legitimate uh, potential cap casualties. Uh, I saw a good question from Cliff, just wondering what we think the Bears' offense will look like. You know, this upcoming year will be West Coast. Will it be more run heavy to take some pressure off of Justin Cliff? For me, I really think it's fluid, and it's not even going to be known in-house until we go through the draft and free agency and we see who's playing up front for the offensive line, so you know what kind of identity you have up there, who's Justin Fields' playmakers along the boundary, the slot, and then also who's in the backfield this year. And I think once you kind of know what you're working with, that's when they'll sit down and and say, all right, how do we maximize Justin? Uh, I think they have some ideas on how they would like to, but you still have to go through the draft. You still have to go through agency, and there's no guarantees there that you'll get the guys that you're targeting. Uh, so for me, I'll pull a Nick, and I'll say it's a wait-and-see approach. Uh, do you guys have anything uh, different at this stage? Not really, to be completely honest. When you know we talked to Luke Getze in his press conference, he was more focused on just getting to know the people. He didn't, he didn't relay or share anything about what the type of offense will be, if it's going to be you know, down the field, verticals, and just not, none of that kind of stuff. None of the football kind of stuff. More so, hey, I'm just really focused on let me learn about Justin, let me learn about these players, and once we get that established, then we can kind of get into developing this offense. But, you know, you, Matt Eberflew said in his introductory press conference he's going to be involved in that helping Luke Getze, kind of giving him different perspectives on how to attack defenses, and they're going to just really cater to their personnel. 
So if one week they don't have certain wide receivers, they're going to adjust it. So like you said, fluid's a good word to kind of look at what Luke Getze can potentially bring to his Bears offense. The only thing I would add to that is uh, there was a pretty good article. There's a series actually by Jonathan Wood, and it's being posted on the Bears blog. I think they're up to part four now. And, you know, he's gone through and there's a ton of stats right now regarding Justin Fields specifically. It's a great read. Go look at it. But I don't think it'll be West Coast because when you think about like a true West Coast, it's a lot of quick passes. And that is really something that Justin didn't excel with. You know, he only targeted behind the line scrimmage about 8%, which ranks 39th in the league. Zero to nine yards, 47% of the time, which was 17th in the league. So there's not a lot of quick short passes there. And then when you look at the completion percentage, he had 82% when it was behind the line of scrimmage. Or sorry, flip that. He was 30, ranked 37th in the completion percentage behind the line of scrimmage. And then zero to nine yards, he was at 37th again in completion percentage. Those not very good, ranking 37th in the league at completion percentage, either behind the line of scrimmage or from zero to nine yards. So while you want him to get better at that, you're not going to ignore it entirely, of course. It's really probably not going to be a true West Coast from that thought process. But like Nick and Will just said, it should be a flexible, malleable thought process of what's going to happen here. And that's what the NFL should be in all nowadays anyway, right? I mean, one day, one game plan, you're going to be attacking downfield all the time. Another game plan, you're going to be pretty run heavy. Yep. It's all, and that's another part of it too, the opponent uh, on a week-to-week basis. Um, but Ideally, we can find a consistent identity to kind of fall back on, uh, which has been lacking uh, in Chicago, too. But, guys, uh, that's really all I see right now in the chat for questions. Uh, we're about an hour and a half into this thing, and I think it's a good time to call it an episode. Really great stuff, you know, all the way around. You know, the conversations that we had, even the unexpected ones, uh, really were a lot of fun. And this is why I love doing this podcast with the both of you. Yeah, it was good to all be back and kind of just doing it and just – we put a you know a bunch of topics or really put a bunch of topics together and like I said, it kind of expanded to a little bit more than that. So it's a good show for sure. Nothing, Mason. What? Sorry, I was looking at this. What do you think? What do you think out of uh, let's just say a hundred games because I'm not gonna do math on top of my head. What is the Bears' record where the temperature is at or below freezing since 1960? Yeah, so a hundred games in general. So I thought uh, more, more or less. I don't want to do real math. 3575 or oh, wait that, no, that's that's the more side what about you nick 4060 40 4060 essentially the bears are 46 48 and 1 when the temperature is at or below the freezing mark since 1960 so essentially bear weather doesn't exist get me a dome <laughs> warm up. Up for a dome we'll warm us up all right, guys, I'm going to call that an episode. Uh, so, again, it was a great episode of the Chicago Audible. I want to keep, keep making sure we get to say that name as much as we can. I'm hopeful that it will live uh, in some other ways in our future. Uh, but I want to thank everyone here who's watching live, uh, to all those who are listening to the podcast. Uh, we really do appreciate your support. Uh, again, we're only a couple of weeks away from some really exciting uh, major changes here. Uh, we'll be having five shows per week uh, plenty of nick mason and myself uh, as well as some new cast of characters kind of coming along with us uh, to just enhance your chicago bears fan experience as you know that's been our goal uh, since day one and we're super excited to be able to have the opportunity to kind of give this a full-time approach uh, and mindset uh, for the first time ever uh, since we've actually started this seven years ago and uh, we're just expecting and anticipating just tremendous things uh, in our future as well as yours because uh, you're going to benefit fit uh, a ton uh, from this as well so really uh, just thank you uh, to everyone to allow us to kind of follow and now nick i can say achieve 
uh, our dreams. You definitely can. It's been a long time coming, but like you said, I'm so excited to get officially started. I thought you were going to drop an expletive there. It's I, I, Again, that's how excited I am. But again, I just kind of want to start. Like, like, we've been texting back and forth. Well, it's like, let's get this going. <laughs> there we go. All right. We'll be back soon with another episode. But until next time, bear down, Chicago. Bear down.